Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Science from Wired. A new field guide for Earth's wild microbes. The most massive database of microbial gene sequences so far shows that the tree of life is much larger than we knew. By Monique Briette. There are hardly any places on Earth that aren't inhabited by microbes. They live in lakes and streams and soil and air. They colonize our bodies and even live in extreme environments like scalding hydrothermal vents and acidic hot springs. And their numbers are just staggering. There are more microbes in a handful of soil than there are people living on the Earth. But scientists don't know much about most of them. Just a small fraction have been grown in a lab where they can be studied. I mean, getting a wild microbe to take root in a Petri dish takes some pretty painstaking work, some seriously mad skills, and a whole heck of a lot of luck. And it doesn't happen very often. But in November, researchers from the Department of Energy's Joint Genome Institute announced a significant advance. They've assembled the largest catalog of microbes to date, containing over 50,000 genomes from 18,000 different microbial species, 12,000 of which have never been documented before. And their study was published in the journal Nature Biotechnology, and it expands this branch of the known tree of life by an insane 44%. And Jonathan Eisen doesn't mince words when he talks about it. He says it's a fucking incredible amount of data. Jonathan is an evolutionary biologist at UC Davis, and he's the founder of one of the first efforts to actually catalog microbes, called the Genomic Encyclopedia of Bacteria and Archaea. He says there's only about 10,000 species of microbes that have been cultured and described formally, and yet there might be a billion species. That's why this study is so important. And in this new snapshot of life on Earth, scientists found tons of potentially useful stuff. And among them are thousands of new genes that encode enzymes with potential uses in medicine, hundreds of new species of archaea, single-celled organisms that release carbon into the atmosphere, 
and a new species of bacterium called Coxiella. Coxiella is a genus that includes the Class B bioterrorism agent Coxiella burnettii, which is a highly contagious bacteria that can jump from farm animals to humans causing a disease called Q fever. And they also found over 760,000 viruses and linked some of them to their bacterial and archaeal hosts, shedding more light on the vast interconnections of this completely unseen world. It's really meant to be this very large community resource for researchers across the world to be able to then use these data to try to answer questions that they're interested in, says Emily Elo Fadrash. She's the head of the Metagenome Program at the Joint Genome Institute, and she's the senior author of this new study. So why is this thing such a big deal? Well, you see, the study of microbes began in the 17th century when the Dutch microscopist Antony van Leeuwenhoek peeked through his single-lens microscope and found this hidden world of microbes. But that was about it. After that, the centuries that followed, scientists have really only put a small, tiny little dent in identifying the full biodiversity of microbes on Earth. And according to Stephen Nafak, the vast majority of microbes can't be grown under laboratory conditions. Stephen is a bioinformatician at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, and he's a lead author on the paper. And when you can't grow the microbes in a lab, he says it makes it nearly impossible to study many organisms using traditional methods. But why, though? Well, for one, it's not easy to recreate the exact same conditions of the biological soup that microbes thrive in. Like, for example, the quest to learn the secrets of one particular microbe buried in deep sea muck took a team of Japanese researchers 12 years. They had to come up with just the right combination of nutrients, gases, and chemicals that would allow it to grow. And that feat required them to add a mixture of four different antibiotics to kill contaminating strains. So when they finally figured it out, it was a pretty major accomplishment celebrated in the scientific community. And they named it Prometheoarchaeum Syntrophicum, after the Greek god who created humans out of mud. And after studying this guy, they were able to answer some long-standing questions about how complex life on Earth evolved. But it's unrealistic to think that scientists can go through this entire process for each and every species of microbe in the world, so they needed to come up with a better plan. So they used to think that you could really only get high-quality DNA directly from the animal, or at least a nicely preserved bone or specimen, right? But starting in the 1980s, microbiologists began sequencing DNA directly out of scoopfuls of soil and mud and seawater. Now what are they up to? Well, they're looking for genetic material called environmental DNA, or eDNA, that's shed by living things. Instead of having to grow microbes in the lab to obtain their genomes, they now use eDNA and a technique called metagenomics to directly sequence the bits of discarded DNA. NAFAC says this has truly revolutionized how scientists study microbial diversity. NAFAC is a research scientist at the Joint Genome Institute, and they offer DNA sequencing services for scientists all over the world. For the past 15 years, the Institute has sequenced eDNA from researchers studying deep-sea thermal vents and Arctic permafrost, ocean mud, Greek lagoons, deep African gold mines— human and animal intestines, and tons more. So this database, which is the culmination of research from all of those groups, has allowed Emily Elo Fedrash and her colleagues to discover more branches of the Tree of Life. 
Included in this new database, which is publicly available, are a treasure trove of new genes that encode enzymes capable of producing useful compounds called secondary metabolites. And these are small organic compounds found in nature that have therapeutic properties, like the opium you find in the poppy plant, or penicillin from the penicillium fungi. And interestingly, soil bacteria can also be a potent source of therapeutics, like the soil bacterial strain Streptomyces. It's given rise to numerous antibiotics and even anti-cancer drugs. In fact, some of its compounds that were developed into drugs, like the antibiotics chloramphenicol and spectinomycin, are now considered essential medicines by the World Health Organization. Emily Elo Fedrash says, I'm personally very interested in what diversity is out there and how we can catalog it. She's a researcher for the Department of Energy, so she's especially interested in what these microbes can do when it comes to biogeochemical processes in the environment and carbon cycling. Microbes that hang out in the soil, they break down organic matter and release carbon dioxide and methane, which contribute to greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. A big question right now, though, in microbial ecology is what's going to happen to the microbes in the Arctic permafrost when global temperatures warm up and it starts to thaw? Will they unleash just a flood of carbon into the atmosphere when they wake up and start eating on the frozen plants and animals buried there? Allison Murray is a microbial ecologist at the Desert Research Institute, and she wasn't involved in this study, but she does say people often want to know, how are the microbiota going to react to a changing climate? And we're having a hard time answering those questions, because we're still just understanding which of them live out there and what they do. And this catalog is a really important first step to understanding that, because it has several new species of microbes with genes involved in methane production. Emily Elofedrosh says she found many archaea that have genes that produce methane, taking carbon dioxide and reducing it to methane. And she's excited about the future potential of somehow using these microbes to sequester atmospheric carbon. Karen Lloyd is a microbiologist at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, who was not involved in this particular project. And Karen says this source of new genetic sequences is mind-boggling in its potential to expand our options for useful biological molecules. And for Karen, she says that the study lays out the full scope of the microbial world for us, and it shows us that the microbial landscape is vast and largely yet to be discovered. Remember our friend Jonathan Eisen from earlier? Well, he's an avid bird watcher, and he likens this database to a first draft of a field guide for Earth's undomesticated microbes. But he says it's only the first step in really understanding the function of these organisms and their importance in the ecosystem. The next step is to learn something about their biology. Emily Elofredrash agrees. She says, by better cataloging the diversity of microbes out there, we hope that we are better able to identify all the different metabolisms and unique functionalities that are encoded within the entire tree of life. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. 
you'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.